Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Broadway Breakdown. I am one of your two hosts, Matt Koplick. And I am your other host, John Stephen Wiscavage. Yes, that is Stephen with a PH. You heard that correctly. My enunciation is so amazing. Which brings me to my first point. (laughs) (laughs) Tangents extreme, everybody. I... You know, cue sad music again, a la the second episode. Um, much as 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 much as we were saying last episode that it felt like our it was our inaugural episode or a return back, it truly did feel that way uh, when I went back and listened to the tape and heard how my creepy little friend Mister Like reared his. Ugly head and so many like I know that it's it's I know that it's not a habit that I've dropped completely. I know that I still have used it way more times than any twenty-year-old man should be using the word like. However, I just last episode listening to it, I I hang my head in shame. <laughs> oh my god! That okay? You first of all, you fucking dick. Because okay, for everyone out there. Before we started recording, I went, John, what do you think of the episode? He goes, I have notes. And I could, I, I was so nervous. I was, I went, oh no, John, like, he hated everything that I did. And he's like, no, I'll, 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 I'll talk about it on the podcast. And now that you said that, I want to punch you because that was way too much stress for a.m. in the morning. Listen, you're welcome. I'm here for the drama. I'm here for this, mama. I want conflict. I want beats. I want obstacles. I want a strong female lead. I want inclusion of all ethnicities and handicaps. I want it to be a utopia of musical theater gayness. Actually, I do want that. However, I, you know, I just used that phrase, strong female lead, but I read this little blurb this week that was a little, it might have even just been a meme, but it was a very powerful meme to me. And it was about, um, why do we keep, why do we keep calling uh, strong female leads like it's um, such a specific rare thing like mm-hmm. you know it, it's very rare where, where they're like oh there it was <sighs> it's very rare that some <laughs> like, like <laughs> a, <laughs> it's a oh, rare it's a God. rare bird you take out your binoculars and, here we have the rare breed of a film or TV show with a strong female lead let's see what it does well right oh, but but you never it's 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 so true like it was it was pointed out that it's not a term that's used for men you don't you don't often hear someone go oh man yeah look at that actor look at um i don't know i don't i don't know male uh, uh, hemsworth look at one of the hemsworth brothers look at how much of a strong male lead they are you're just like ah john stop saying like you are just in accordance with your thoughts, thinking the thoughts of that is a man who is strong, but I don't have to say that. Oh, words, words fail. <laughs> Wor- words fail. I I know what you mean. The th- I think because for so long that the norm was that it was usually a male protagonist and the female yes. character was on the side. That in the you know 
following years, it became a rare item. And but I feel I feel like it has become way more constant now. That you're right, it shouldn't. It doesn't need to be pointed out as much. Only because I think that there's there are projects aplenty with right. quote unquote strong female leads. You know, the, TV alone, I can name you know two or three dozen shows that have had strong female leads are still running with strong female leads. And it's, it, it's gotten to the point where I just go, I mean, that's, that's almost pretty the constant. Well, it, it just, it just seems, it seems as if it is trying to box women into categories that are just not really relevant or, or kosher any, anymore. Even if you look at, Last night I watched the movie Room for the first time. Um, mm. It have have you seen it? I have not, uh, but I staunchly support Brie Larson and all of her endeavors. Me so also as you well. Have my vote. Me also as well with that. Um, so I watched that last night, and it, the the term popped into my head because here is a woman who severely abused. I mean, she was held captive for seven years, and. I don't think anyone's ever described her character, or maybe they have. Maybe they have described it as a strong female lead in this movie. But if they haven't described her as that, that is exactly what she is. Yes, she is. You people could quote quote unquote call her the victim. Can quote unquote say that she, you know, is is weak or, or you know she is a, a hurt little abused creature. But no, she's not. She was strong, and it to survive all that and to survive the awfulness. It was. It's just a, It's a. It's a term. Strong female lead. Ever since I read that little blurb this week, I, I've really been thinking about it and thinking about how that's. You know, we don't say, "Oh, look at that! Look at that feathered, flying, winged bird." You know, it's it's all just it's all just redundant. It's all in, it's all encompassed already in that. And so I'm, I am starting the movement today. So follow me, children. I, that we know. Ma- mama, mama is no longer using the term "strong female lead" because that is just implied. Because females are what strong as hell. As hell. I see what you mean now. I, for a second, I thought you meant strong female lead in the sense that. The role is strong, like it's a it's a complex, hearty role. But you mean strong, like powerful, strong-willed kind of role? Okay. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it kind of means both. What what I'm talking about, but I, I I just think I think the term was invented in a sexist time. I mean, mm-hmm. not that we are, <laughs> not that we are out of a sexist time. Let <laughs> me tell you. Let me. I'm do all of our uh, female listeners. I I do not mean that in any way of like. Oh my God, we've I done mean, it. We've gotten rid of, of it. Yet, are we out of the woods? Yes. Yet, are we out of the woods? No, yet. Taylor. We're not out of the woods. There's so many men, but fuck yeah, time's up. So smash the patriarchy. I mean, I'm just. I support you all, but I am. Mm-hmm. I'm taking one one further stand. And I am so done with that sexist term. Um, females are strong as hell to begin with, so that that is just. I, I love a show with a with a with a female lead. See, I want to say strong female lead, but yeah. it's it's like it, it's embedded into our brains. I love yeah. a I love a show with a female lead. I like a show with a complex lead. Mm. I like with many layers. So mm. It's actually interesting you say that because I. Twice I got into an argument with someone about Hamilton because mm-hmm. uh, one was a female, one was a male, mm-hmm. and both were trying to argue to me that Hamilton was actually sexist because the women in the show only are there to assist the men. Mm. And I, I, I argued with them that they're right in the sense that that is sort of the, 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 the women roles in Hamilton are are connected to the story through the men of the story, but that is more sort of through, I don't want to say dramatic, dramatic, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Almost like a dramatic shortcut, like sort of how Marsha Norman said when she adapted The Color Purple into mm-hmm. a, into a, the musical, she was like, the, I decided which characters got to stay based on who interacts with Celie, because she's the protagonist. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like Lin-Manuel did the same thing with Hamilton of like, I decided who stays, because it's, so, like so many characters in history, and he's like, oh, right, and it's called. Peop- it's about Hamilton, so yeah, I mean, exactly. Kind of, spo- spoiler alert, kitten. Show kind of revolves around him. Exactly. Even Aaron Burr is really in the show, connected 
through his relationship to Hamilton. Yeah. And so, so yes, the women roles in the show are connected through Alexander, but I argued that I don't think the show is sexist because of the respect and intelligence it treats the female characters. Yeah. Which is that's, which is, I think, is truly how you would argue the sexism of a show. And I got into an argument about that with someone else on Facebook. Not Hamilton specifically, but about other shows. Mm. Um, because I think that there are certain shows that we don't look... That the general theater-going public hasn't considered sexist in the past, but I do. Mm-hmm. Basically because of the uh, broad strokes in, with it, in which it paints its female characters. Like, when I came out of School of Rock, I was shocked at how vague the female roles in the show were just like how broad they were in their stereotypes i was like really in at, at the time i think it was 20, 2016 2015 it came out I was like really in yeah. this day and age like that's how we're painting our female roles um i've and, never i've I mean, never seen that show so i don't i mean it's it's a lot of fun and i mean as a as an artistic child i watched it seeing parents accept their artistic children got a little verklempt like the sh- mm. the show works it's a it's a good show but yeah. the two biggest female roles in the show are definitely given uh the shorthand is that the term i'm looking for sure. sounds right sure yeah. sounds right rolls off the tongue but that's i felt i sort of feel the same way about most Weber shows in that sense. Um, oh yeah, like sun, like oh. Sunset and Evita. As much as I love Evita, but more sort of for its diva worshipness, both shows kind of treat their female characters in a very broad sense that I don't think is fair to the actress because they it's up to the actress then to fill in all the blanks that the writers have not done. Yeah, it's well, yeah. I mean, even work my show is currently playing right next to a production a um at the at the Pittsburgh Public Theater which is a super well respected amazing regional theater um they're doing forum and it's been interesting because i guess forum hasn't been done in Pittsburgh in a while and it's you know it's getting great reviews everyone in it is so fucking ridiculously talented but even my friends who are in the cast have been Noting that it's just so interesting doing this show that is based off of such sexist points of views. I mean, there's, oh, a, there's a fucking song in it called Everybody Ought to Have a Maid. Like, yes, mm-hmm. it's, yes, it's tongue in cheek and yes, it's satire. But it, yeah, it's question, you know, just question marks arising. Yeah. And um, I'm, yeah. I, with something like Forum... I think what makes it tricky in this day and age is that, like, I'm all I'm all for having every type of character out there. I'm not saying like every character in every show needs to be, you know, smart and strong and if I, like people like there are so many different kinds of people out in this world. So you know, shows can reflect that. And Forum is a farce and it. it's very yeah. tongue in cheek, as you said. But I think it's the fact that there isn't really a single woman role in that show that is even slightly flattering like you have the two closest female leads you have one is basically a stone cold middle-aged bitch right and everyone finds repulsive and then the other one is an airheaded bimbo and then the rest are just (laughs) exactly same it's you know my devil my angel on both shoulders i am both of those i am all yeah (laughs) we we are every woman john yeah yeah yeah, um, but yeah, that's I, I I get that, and as much as I do love Forum because you know when it comes down to brass tacks, it is exceptionally well crafted in terms mm. of its representation of women. Obviously, being a farce, it's going to be lacking, but it it is the fact that there is like really not a single moment for a woman to just kind of be like, "Hey, we're like we like we have at we have opinions too." It's yeah. like all the opinions come from the men in that show. Yeah. I um, I mean this is in the realm of doing what I do best, but I have a complete. I have a tangent from this tangent. Um, I was gonna say, have we not been tangenting? That is that is just V on brand. Mm-hmm. Um, on Sunday night, I saw a little experimental theater show about feminism. Um, this little show called Wicked. I believe it was a national tour of this little little piece called uh, w- wicked w- w- wicked maybe um 
Yeah, I saw <laughs> Sunday night. I saw the what? okay Sunday night. I saw the national tour of Wicked. Is what I'm saying, Matt. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> that was and the me. longest bit I think you've ever done. Just yes and me. Seriously though, but I um, didn't know how to. I just wanted to see you go. I was like, where the fuck to is he going with this? Burn. Um, I did. I hope that you burn. I've never seen the National Tour, but I've only ever seen the Broadway Company multiple times. Duh. Um, I was but like, hair flip, hair flip. Yeah, hair flip, hair flip. Um, it's so interesting to see the National Tour of the show because there are actual different, like there's like different staging and different elements. And I actually kind of like the set and places a little more. Like it was weird mm-hmm. how how different it was and how I just didn't expect it to be different. Um, yeah, it was... It was it was fun. I mean, I, I just enjoyed that show so much. Um, it was mm-hmm. definitely the eighth show of Wicked on an like you know at seven o'clock on a Sunday night on Super Bowl Sunday. I yeah have nary nary heard tempo so quick on that show. I mean, literally, it was like <laughs> the wizard and I button. Like it literally was like it was so fast. I was like, oh my, hello. Um, yeah, everyone just wanted to get the fuck out. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I mean, Wicked just still stands true. But I don't know if this is on the way that it is on Broadway, but did you know that uh, and, and maybe it's just because the first time I saw it, it was original cast. And maybe this even happened on Broadway the other time that I saw it. But mm-hmm. do you know that now, at least on the tour, the Alphabet and Glinda's take bows at the same time? Like they don't, no one gets, la- they get last bow together, at least in this production yeah. I saw. I did not you know after, that was a after, thing. You mean after the whole company bows, then they bow again? No. Like they come out together and shared a bow. Um. Yeah, I I from what I recall with the original cuz I also saw it with the OBC, no mm-hmm, big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Chenoweth blew a kiss at me right next to my girlfriend every oh year. Oh my god. Uh, I actually once. one of my most prized possessions is my original Broadway cast playbill of Wicked signed by every single principal company member. <sighs> it's because I think I went to the last week of preview, so everyone it was before like all that everyone was calling out every other day. Mm-hmm, so everyone mm-hmm. was still in it at the time. But Same. Yeah, I th- and then I saw it one more time. Uh, when Jennifer Lawrence took over for Kristen Chenoweth, and I haven't seen the show since, so that's mm. that was like thirteen years ago. That's Ooh. a long time. Uh, long, uh, yeah, I should go back. But yeah, um, yeah it's a great they, show. <laughs> it, it's so much fun, and I love that score. I listen to this score all the time at the gym. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> side, <laughs> side note: I do know that Kristen Chenoweth and Dina Menzel came out came out together. Yes, I remember they I came remember out that together. as well. I think they did. I think they each gave each other a separate bow and then bowed once more together. together. Yeah, I think yeah. that's I think that's how it's always been because the biggest theme of the show, I guess, is sisterhood and you know unifying against a world that is out you know that's stacked against you. Right. Yes. Yeah. I I just I don't know. I I just found it very interesting because I mean, yeah. yeah it, it's probably the only show on Broadway right now where the last two bows are women. Oh, what a thought! You're probably yeah. correct with that, aren't you? Unless yeah. um. I haven't seen Once on This Island, unfortunately. No, Once on This Island is the is entire a, company. I was going to say, it's, it's a company an, bow? Yeah. It's a company sense. bow. I mean, it's the circle and the square. You, it, you, right. Everyone has to do four bows to each side. So, like, right. if everyone took a bow, you'd be there for four hours. Oh, my God. Um, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, yeah. I'm sure Mean Girls, when Mean Girls finally opens, that the last couple of bows will be women. Oh, it better be. I mean, who yeah. else? Well, yeah. I mean, I get, it's going to probably be, like... The last three bows will most likely be Janice, followed by Regina, followed by Katie. Yeah. I'm just I'm just spitballing here based on what I think. No, that's what I would imagine as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is I mean, this is where my brain goes. This is the important things that my brain also thinks about in society is who gets last bow mm-hmm. <laughs> in Wicked. And, I mean, you and me both, Bub. But, uh, but, but then Yeah. Yes. I mean, what were you gonna say? No, no, no. It's okay. I don't. I don't really have anything to say other than I just. God, my God, bless my therapist. Mm, um, bless your therapist. Yeah. Um, so, so I saw Wicked. <laughs> I also saw a David Lindsay Bear play this past week. Uh, it was a final dress for a local Ooh. theater company here in Pittsburgh called The Devil Inside. I had never read it or heard of it. It's a weird show. Very funny. Very weird. Um, yeah. That sounds have you like classic Bear. I haven't. Um, 
David Lindsay Bear is he's rabbit hole. He's good yes. people. He's um he also did Fuddy Mirrors. I think that's him, right? Yeah, and he did um he did the book for Cinderella. He did the book yeah. for um oh no no friends. that was that, uh, David Lindsay Bear didn't do Cinderella. That was oh Bear that's Douglas Carter Beam. Jesus D- Christ. David Lindsay Bear actually did the book and the lyrics for Shrek. Yes, that is what I meant. I'm so yes, sorry. His yes. le- I gotta say his lyrics for Shrek I think are so good and very impressive for a first time lyricist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like I'm not the biggest fan of the show Shrek, but I think that score is like better than it has any right to be. But it's Janine Tesori, so what do you expect? It's me, Fiona. Last week I saw Bands Visit for a second time because once is never enough. No. My uh my dad was in town and he wanted to see it, so we went. Mm. And uh so uh something that I, I read recently was uh John Cantor talking about the score of Light in the Piazza saying that he loved it so much he wanted to bathe in it. Mm. Which same. is yeah, same. And it, it makes sense because the, like the one word I would describe the Light of the Piazza score is like it's very liquid in a way, mm. and I f- mm. I felt the same way watching Bands Visit for the second time. Like when Omar Sharif started, I was like, oh, I just want to like swim in this song. Oh, me too. Yeah, it was it was so lovely. Ex- um, I mean, I've expressed my thoughts about her pelvic movement during that song. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think it's a masterclass, and absolutely, she should win a Tony She's- for her pelvic movement alone. <laughs> I I concur. I've never thought I'd be so enraptured by a woman's pelvic movement, but Girl. Katrina Lank, she does it. Um, she's the missing link. She, <laughs> she, she's uh, she is she is not the weak, weakest link. She oh is the no! Link. <laughs> I wonder if no. I wonder if she's on LinkedIn. Oh, oh no, no no we're not no, we're not doing this we're not happening. doing this go away. <laughs> would you say that she's a strong female lead? I would I would but I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I did see that. Uh, I'm seeing encores on Friday, which I'm very excited about. They're Ooh. doing a concert. Actually, mm, so tangent time, but this one is actually related to the Broadway. So here we go. Um, uh, fr- Friday encores is doing like a concert called Hey, Look Me Over, which is a compilation of shows that they have not done yet but would like to do Mm. so there's yeah so there's some scores that you've heard of like mac and mabel scores that you haven't um like green willow like who the fuck cares about green willow uh but there's one show that's missing in this lineup that i am slightly furious about because it implies to me that encores doesn't intend to do it which is a little known gem that i'm obsessed with john knows i'm obsessed with it smile um they've never done smile they haven't done Smile. And I'm now getting impatient because they're now starting to do 80s shows. Like, they've done Merrily. They did mm-hmm. Big River. And now they're about to do Grand Hotel and Me and My Girl this year. So I'm like, okay, we're you're clearly looking into 80s now for, like, shows for the canon. Yeah. I, I'm like, why not do Smile? And I say this having been up until 3 a.m. last night uh, writing for a couple of different things. And then to sort of, like, kind of clear my brain, I went down some YouTube two rabbit holes. And someone has... Uh, ownership of the Lincoln Center archives recording of the Broadway production of Smile, and they posted a couple of the numbers up, and I so like I the only Smile that I get to listen to is the Samuel French demo that they did, which is like seven cast members and two synths, and I love it so much, but it's not like it's not a Broadway sound. So no. to listen to that score with a twenty-five piece orchestra oh. and twenty girls is like insane. So I was listening to that all night, all last night, and I'm like, this is one of the best scores from the 80s it is mar it is marvin hamlish and howard ashman Mm -hmm. howard ashman's only straight to broadway show and you know there there are some issues with the broadway version but when the show closed they kind of revamped it and retooled it for licensing and the licensed version is pretty great and a really uh light satire that i love and i'm just and i was looking through the script and listening to the score and i was like this is a show that encores not only should do because it's good and because it needs a second life but it's very relevant to sort of this moment in american history yeah yeah i mean so i mean just from a pop culture reference like 
we are right now very much on the reboot train. Mm. You know, we have Will and Grace, we have Roseanne, and We've, Arrested Development. Fuller House. Their, yeah, yeah, Fuller yeah. House, yeah. Like, we're, America is even... We want the know, good times back. <laughs> we do. Well, everybody wants, you know, the good times back, whether it's stupid Trumpers or it's, you know, Sherry normal Renee people. Scott, yeah. Yeah, Sherry and Scott wants <laughs> Oh my god. Sorry. I just I know. I, that took I, I'm me a actually second. I'm actually not disappointed in myself for making that joke. I'm disappointed in you for not getting it soon enough. I blocked out every new song to the Little Mermaid musical, so good day. <laughs> true to true to my gay form, I only recognize the Howard Ashman songs. Smart but, smart. Sm- yeah, smart cookie. But I do I acknowledge your reference and I I tip my hat and I'm gonna move on. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. But because we're sort of in this whole reboot situation and wanting, uh, uh, pining for a time lost, let's say, and even like some of our newer stuff, like Stranger Things or the It movie, harks back to the '80s yeah. as a time of a combination of fake innocence that you know never really was, yeah. and Smile is sort of encompasses all of that. It's a beauty pageant for these soon-to-be high school seniors who are competing for basically the chance for a college scholarship. And the whole point of the show is, you know, who is a young a young, young American miss? And, you know, she must be smart. She must be talented. She must be beautiful. She has to be polite. She has to, you know, be clean and, and friendly. And all these girls are presenting that to the judges, but what they truly are is something very different. And it's Sometimes something as sinister as sabotaging other contestants, and it's sometimes as basic as, you know, she's smart, but she doesn't think she's beautiful, or, you know, she mm. she's insecure, or she comes from a broken home, and that reflects poorly on, you know, her outward appearance and whatnot. And it's, it's very interesting to see, read the script and see all these young girls either truly put their value into what the judges think of them, like... The Jodie Benson role that sings Disneyland, like when it comes to beauty pageants, she honestly thinks like her worth comes from what she's crowned. Yeah. And then there are other girls who are 100% just playing the game uh, to like get what they want, which I now have a lot more respect for having been on the drag race train for the last year and seeing certain queens rise to the top by playing that oh, yeah. com- competition game. Yeah, like to, like to see a Valentina rise so high by playing the game so well, it makes you sort of see how these other girls get as far as they do in this pageant by literally just playing the judges. Like there's, there is, there is a contestant in the show. Her name is Maria Gonzalez and she's the only Latina character in the pageant. And it's important because it's, again, it's 1980s California. So it's a lot of white blonde girls. And then this one Latina girl who uses her Spanish heritage to her advantage by playing up the Mexican stereotype and in turn wins the first round of the pageant. Mm. And, but, and, but before you think that like, oh, so maybe she's actually going to change the system by getting inside there. Another girl, a totally ruthless, vapid California girl who thinks, you know, basically like white blonde girls to the front of the line, please. Like that's our given birthright. Totally sabotages her in the second half. And, and then ends up making it to the final four, the the you know ruthless girl, uh. and it's I don't I feel like that's a great um po- point to underline in the show, especially right now as we go through all these cultural and um, racial conflicts with our disgusting government. And oh, there's are, also are there a, any? I I missed that. Hmm. Huh. I what? Said, I, hmm? Are, is, I, is there any of that going on right now? Right? Oh. I don't know what you're talking about, John. That was that was me just. You know. <laughs> and one more thing before I close out my rant. This is all going, by the no, way, I into my open letter. This is all going into my open letter to uh, Jack. I don't Vierdel, Vital, the artistic director of Encores. I'm going to write him a oh. fucking letter with all this listed. Uh, there's another plot point where the two uh, runners of the pageant. Uh, Brenda, who like is a former contestant herself, and now she Brenda. runs the pageant. Uh, it's li- her name is literally Brenda, um, and then her husband Bob, who's one of the head judges. They have this like ten year old son who, throughout the first half of the show, is just running around being a little kid and like, oh, he's still a little boy, but he's so special. He's in Boy Scouts and whatever. And then you find out that he's acquired a camera and is taking Polaroids of all the girls and trying to sell them to his friends. What and. Yeah, and uh, he almost gets away with it, but uh, his father finds out sort of towards the end through, you know, 
happenstance and nothing really comes of it. But it's an interesting point of seeing foreshadowing a young boy who's totally going to be a sexual predator when he grows up. Jeez. And and it's and it's it's not done in like this super heavy handed way. But you watch you read it and you're like, oh, like this is a kid who by being told he was special because he's a an American boy by his parents is now walking around with all these, you know, Just, human girls at his disposal. Right. And and thinking of how he can use it to his advantage because he's been told, like, that that's his right. Yeah. And, it, yeah, like, it, I'm reading, I'm like, holy fuck, like, this show gets a lot right and yeah. foreshadows a lot of stuff that's happening right now. Jeez, and man. I think that's an important thing to see on stage right now because it's, it's all that plus it's also highly entertaining as fuck. Yeah. Um, because How- Howard Ashman was really brilliant at sort of combining high entertainment with uh, deeper messages. Jack and Betty eat their words. Jack and Betty, and I'm on her latest. I mean, I'm no great chicks at school, but geez, I'm on my local pageant, right? You think they'd like to be proud or something? Well, who cares? You know, this is my year, Mom. I can feel it. I can taste it. Oh God, I want to win so bad. <laughs> And I'm going to bring it over to you, John. Yeah, I have a little... I, 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 I discovered an obsession yesterday. Um, I mean, it's hard because it's a series that's still, um, you know, episodes are airing. But it's, it's loosely musical theater based because it is starring Yumish's uh, very own Darren Chris. Have you watched any of the new season of American Crime Story, The Assassination of Gianni Versace? I have not, but I've been told that it gives me everything I want. Um, here's the thing about that. They're not lying. <laughs> no. It is... Please. It is... So three episodes are, are available to watch if you have FX or FX mm-hmm. Now. Um... I my my cast member and I were were like, oh, let's see if we want to watch this. He is Darren. I've always you know I've always enjoyed Darren Chris just fine enough. I I've always thought he's very very talented. I he is very easy on the eyes. Um, mm-hmm. He is giving a performance in this in this series. He is. I'm I'm very drawn in to what he is selling. He is. Mm-hmm. He plays a complete sociopath and does it so well. Um, Penelope Cruz as Donatella, uh, she's doing wonderful. Um, I believe it's Mark Ruffalo as uh, as Gianni, um, Ricky Martin. The, the cast is just amazing, and in that very much Ryan Murphy theatrical way, it is a beautiful mix of camp and human. I don't even know. I feel I feel that Ryan Murphy has tapped into this part of humanity that I wouldn't even call human filth. I, I feel I feel like he has tapped. I feel I feel like his voice is highlighting human bile. It is. It is. Yeah. It's almost. I I I don't even. Do you know what I'm talking about? I I do. Uh, what I will say is Ryan Murphy is a creator. Who I've had problems with in the past. Same. Oh, same. Yeah. I don't. I do not um, worship the ground that he walks on by any means. No. I. I actually. I will say Ryan Murphy has really exceptional taste when it comes to ideas. Yes. And uh, and when it comes to other people's work, he, like he has very flawless taste when it comes to you know picking other people's projects to promote or when it comes to you know what stories could be told so like i think the idea for american crime story is brilliant the oj simpson season i think this is a brilliant idea for a season um his actual writing is usually what i have problems with yeah because what as you said he's he always likes to tap into the bile that is you know that is in all of of human existence yeah Yeah, exactly like it's just the darkness within all of us yeah yeah but i will also say that a lot of times and it's it's not so much that he's not smart and it's not that he isn't talented sometimes i think he's just a little lazy when mm. it comes to that so if you did you ever watch scream queens by the way 
I watched most. Of, no, that's a lie. I watched half of the first season, and then I just, yeah. I, I, it got so convoluted so quickly. Oh, um, yeah. I, I, couldn't... it, one hundred percent made no sense. Yeah, but that's it why. Was... Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was saying no. You're absolutely right. It was very convoluted, but it's, it was, um, it was a great idea for a show that, due to storytelling laziness, and then also due to just laziness of character development, the, like the whole point of Emma Roberts's character is that she's like the worst and she says the worst things but it almost started to feel like she was a mouthpiece for ryan murphy's deepest darkest most racist thoughts that it by like episode three for me it just started getting uncomfortable when she would say anything um and then it's yeah and then at some point like episode eight or nine they decide like the girls are gonna get woke and be like we don't need a man to, to give us our worth and we're actually gonna go eat fries instead of cotton balls for lunch and it comes out of nowhere. It feels very shoehorned in, especially because the following episode, they go back to eating cotton balls. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's <laughs> almost like they wrote that at that episode to tell everyone, like, see, we understand that this isn't what, you know, women are supposed to do. Yeah. It's like, well, then why go back to what they did? Anyway, so you were you were saying, though, no, uh, in I, regards I, to I was Ryan just saying, I think, I think maybe we're the strength that came for season one of, of this series and where the strength for season two is coming from is that... If he is writing a, fixin- a fictionalization of true events, I think that's stronger for him because I think his issue is is continuity and tying up the loose ends. So the, the yeah. thing about these situations is the loose ends are already all tied up. He doesn't have to worry about that. He gets to fill in the berserk, crazy, and sometimes like factual things that actually happened that are bizarre and crazy. And he gets to highlight that. And so it's so successful. It's visually stunning. It is... It is... I'm, I'm really into it. I really hope yeah. this season continues down this road. It's, it's just mm-hmm. great storytelling and some great acting. Oh, my God. And how could I forget about this? In the last episode, uh, I don't think she's going to be a main character, but I'm, I'm sure she's at least going to be in a few more episodes. But the last episode centered around a character, a, 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 this woman who was a makeup slash perfume mogul, who was played by, I think, one of God's gifts to acting, Judith Light. So, <gasps> I mean, no, yes. And, oh God, I screamed, everybody. Sorry. Well, I was I was screaming as she was performing. I was I, she she would just do these beats, and I'd be like, Judith, Judith Light. Oh my God, Judith Light. It's like, no, oh I don't God. even want Judith Light. I want Judith full calorie. Give me the whole full fat Judith. <laughs> oh, know, my God. You know, please. bitch? <laughs> you know, bitch? Give me 20 full servings of heavy fat Judith. Yes, oh I God. want full calorie Judith. <laughs> full calorie Judith. Oh, she, you are absolutely, she is one of our national treasures to acting. I <sighs> adore her so Damn. much. Uh, if I don't know if this makes me gayer or just like typically gay i had never seen who's the boss so i did not have that kind of introduction to her my introduction to her was ugly betty oh i never watched ugly betty which i know i know Mm. i know you have i mean you have thoughts about that i have thoughts about it too you'll never feel the way same way about vanessa williams as i do then that's all i'll say oh well that's not true if you read what i posted this week on social media was it about drag race no, it was about Vanessa Williams. Did you not see what I said? I, I made a huge... No. You, can you, girl, <sighs> you post like nine things a day. I can only Whoa. catch up with so much. Whoa. Calm I'm down. not complaining. They're all brilliant, but I can't see every one of them. Um, okay, well, let's cue the music in, the sad music for the second time. Um, today, uh, I just want to share with everyone, in case you didn't see on social media, what I shared this week. I came out... Um, oh, I did see this. Do not ruin my moment. I can't. Sorry, 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 sorry. Take two. I came two. out and admitted that I am a sham. I'm a liar. And for years, Bernadette Peters was not my witch in Into the Woods. Vanessa Williams was. I grew up, like in high school, listening to the... Uh, revival cast recording and it's what I loved and it wasn't until years and years and years later and I think I even watched the movie once and I was you know I thought oh I really love Bernadette she's great in this role but I still listen to Vanessa so and you know what I'm proud 
I, I loved her voice on that material. And I'm also now friends with the girl who plays Lil Red on that cast uh, recording. And I Molly, went, what's her last name? Molly um, Ephraim. Ephraim? I feel like I... Ephraim. I don't know. I feel like I always You're friends that. with her. Why does no one wasn't Molly? I wasn't... You know, we Whatever. didn't meet. And she was like, hello, my name is Molly Ephraim. Like, I was like, okay. She was just Molly. That's how you introduce yourself to people. Well, that's because... People don't know how to say my last name at all. And so if I don't say my name is John Wascavage, you do. I mean, gosh, the things I get. And then most people end up just calling me Wascavage anyways. People love calling me Wascavage. So mm. um, I just call you Savage. <laughs> That's what you should, bitch. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow color. So, yes, Ugly Betty, Vanessa Williams, National Treasure, Judith yeah. Light, Ugly Betty. National Treasure. American Crime Story. Um, on, on the note of your confession, first of all, I don't think that it's terrible that Vanessa Williams was your witch for a long time because she was I, a great I, witch. I, I thought she was I saw the revival. My only my only issue with the revival is all the changes they made to the score because I thought none of them were improvements. So I'm like, why? I'm like, why improve them? Um, but you know who? You know that uh, Madonna was actually my first Evita. I didn't know that. Yeah, I had not listened to the Broadway cast album until I was about 13. I I had only had... Well, because my... So my dad used to work in film, and he would get a lot of swag from friends who worked for different studios. And when mm-hmm. the Avita movie came out, we got the soundtrack for free. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I used to listen to. And I will say this. In defense of the soundtrack, the Broadway score is is the best version of of that score the Broadway recording is the best version of that score it's the most thrilling it's the most exciting it's the most interesting it's the most inventive Correct. the most easy listening though is the soundtrack because with by by altering all the keys for Madonna and by sort of streamlining some of the orchestrations it is like if it is a fun ass recording to run to like the Madonna version of Buenos Aires it's not exciting one bit but I could run to it on the treadmill for three days yeah very true yeah same thing with her with her rainbow high with a uh, bunch of like the notes are not great but like the arrangements <laughs> the accompaniments I'm like yeah, yeah sure I'll, I'll I'll run to it I'll dance to it why not like you could, like I I danced that at the club you know what I mean oh yeah oh I mean down at the club I would honestly get get down to it um, absolutely I would I would dance at the club to yes. Madonna's Ava's final broadcast yes me also as well mm-hmm. um <laughs> I uh, <laughs> you just imagine that if you will a bunch of shirtless men dancing in a club to the choice was mine and mine completely oh that's lament. wait but, the, but 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 the thing is I don't think I have to pretend imagine it yeah I, I I'm positive I have a vivid memory of dancing to techno versions of Avita at clubs in my life already and I'm oh, yeah. only well, t- twenty one maybe. <laughs> I'm like I'm, emotionally 18, I'm, <laughs> but f- physically I'm. I have the 19. body of a 29 year old, but the emotional damage of a 17 year old. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the and the waist size of a 16 year old Japanese girl. Oh my gosh! Literally, I was. I have. I have. You know, my cast right now is is one of my favorite group of people. They are all so lovely, and there are currently our our dressing room is two gay men and two straight men. And um, not current. I mean, that's just what it's gonna be. That's what we are. It's the four of us, and uh, they. It's just very interesting because the other day the two straight guys were like just talking about diets and all these things and and eating healthy and you know being very conscious of all of that. And I just turned to one of them and I, because someone had brought like a whoopie pie in, and and they were like, I just like really shouldn't. And I was like, listen, Miss. Uh, Chinese, like uh, gymnast, like sixteen-year-old uh, gymnast from China, eat the damn whoopie pie. Like seriously, he was, he was just, he was so worried. And I, I was like, your your trainer is not going to beat you. You can eat the damn just whoopie pie. Eat the fish, bitch. Eat, eat the fish, bitch. I also quoted that this week. Mm. Really? I did. Yeah. For for uh, one of my other jobs uh, that I work remotely for, I was talking about August Osage County. And I just, I, every time that play is brought up, I just have to at least say, even under my breath, eat the fish, bitch. 
you know the fish bitch. yeah the fish bitch. Uh, what's the what's the what's the line at the end of what is it acts one or act two it's like i'm in charge now yeah i'm I running th- things now yeah I, th- I think it's i'm in charge oh it might be a, i don't know it's it's that is the sentiment I, yes yeah exactly i think it is i'm in charge now oh god but anytime anybody says anything about acting i go amy morton mm. i'm in charge now see and as much as I love that, I still do uh, default to Parker Posey, and I just scream, "Who's on top and who's on bottom now? Who's on top and who's on bottom now?" You do know but what I'm I, referencing, right? That's not. Is it, that that's not uh, waiting for Guffman? Is it? It is, but it's a deleted scene. It's her deleted monologue. Oh, right. In her extended audition sequence. Yeah, in her extended audition sequence, which if you have not watched Out There Children, please watch. It is so amazing. Um, She does this monologue from either this real or fake, or if it is fake, it seems so real, lifetime-ish movie where she is (laughs) talking to her incestual lover, like dying brother in a coma. And it is just so funny. She's, yeah. For anyone who's uh, desiring to be a comedic performer, actor, actress, just, like, watch six Parker Posey performances. Yeah. Best in Show, Waiting for Guffman, and I'm going to say it right here, right now, Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, it's been a moment, like but the, yes. Yeah, well, like, that movie is, like, kind of odd in its own way, but yeah. that is a performer taking weird material and making it work so well. She is also brilliant in the first season of Search Party, if which we've yes, talked about before is. because uh, our previous guest, Natalie Walker, was in, uh, in... Well, she's in the second season, actually, but she yes. talked about her audition for the first season. Season. John. Jesus. Jesus. God damn it. What is... Um, don't do drugs, kids. I, That's the moral of the story. Don't... Don't... Just all, don't get older. Just, like, don't, don't do it, you know? Just don't do it. Just, like, stay in school till you die. Please. All There's nothing out here for you. There's, There's nothing out here for you. There's nothing out here but uppers, downers, and the occasional wicked lottery. Yeah. And candy corn. What's that, Sharon? Hey, candy corn. No, but what's that, Sharon, Needle- Sharon Needles as, as Michelle Visage? You should have seen me and Rue at the limelight. We were in uppers, dan- downers, and candy corn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, no. It's a, like such a random reference, but I use that all the time when I refer to, like, drugs. I'm always like, take some uppers, downers, and candy corn. I'm into it. Matt, I feel like we have... Once again, in our new, in our, (laughs) after our winter hiatus, we have successfully based a whole episode off of tangents. I think we have. Um, And I'm not mad about it. I'll most likely, you know, cut out everything that I said and just keep all of your likes. But other than that. Hey, I I mean, if you want to do a like count at the end of this episode, I, once it's edited, I'm into that. I, I think I did much better. You did. I mean, you and I have the same thing though, where we both, when we get really excited, we yes. say like a lot because yes. our mouth can't keep up with our brain. No, without a doubt. Which, yeah. oh honey, sounds like my Friday night, oh honey. But, oh, honey. <laughs> we ho honey. We ho. Um, maybe we'll do a like count. If not, if someone wants to do a like count out there, I appreciate it. But I think it was only, I'm going to guess it was less than, it was five or under. I think I got a five and under. So let's okay, hope. Um, I, I I love your uh, your optimism there. Yeah, it's it's hopeless optimism, but that it's it is what it is. Um, yes. So I think we'll I think we'll, on that hopeless optimism we should close out before we get in down any worse uh, rabbit holes today. Yes, completely. <laughs> let's stop Amazing. this madness. Stop this madness. So we did close out with Patty last week, which you did. I which. And I looked, went back to all the other episodes. We had never closed out with her. That is insane um, to me. What are, do you what want to know why? It's have beca- we been doing? It's because we used her all the time as our as our. Oh, Billy, segue. I beg to differ with you. Yeah, Billy, I beg to differ with you. Yeah. Um, it's so because of that, she's she has been in every episode. She's just never been who closed us out. So that was the first time. We well, you know who's close closing out. us out today? Who I just decided? Vanessa Williams. Vanessa Williams. <laughs> yep, you guessed it, but <laughs> per. Perfect. We'll do her, uh, her, uh, stay with me maybe or her last minute. You know what? I'm going to make it a surprise for you. Yeah. I want it to be a surprise. I don't even, I would even love a little, our little world, you know, our little world. Yeah. Her, uh, her, her duet with Rapunzel. I know what you're referring to. 
Oh my god. I'm not come I'm not here. Down bottom. Um <gasps> Okay, well First on that John, note. how dare do not box me in, John. I am a versatile actor. Yeah. Yeah. So is Jeremy Jordan. Okay. On that note. <laughs> I love you all. I love you, Matthew. I love you all. This has been Broadway Breakdown. I'm your one of your hosts. Jan with Skevich. And I'm your other host, Matthew Ross Koplik the first. Oh yeah, I forgot my middle name, but I did in the beginning. Okay, good for you. Um and play us out, Vanessa. Thank you, Vanessa. Bye. Bye. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.